Chantal. And so, um, unfortunately, part of what we're seeing there is the fact that the rights, the human rights of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, intersex, queer people um, are being violated and they continue to be violated in this country in the most gruesome of ways, especially when you look at these killings that have taken place uh, over the last six to ten months and the ways in which these killings have taken place. Steve Lidzike is the director at Access Chapter 2. Steve, thank you for your time this morning. Good morning. Good morning, Kathy, and good morning to the listeners of SAFM. Nunklantam Kize is an advocacy officer for the Lesbian and Gay Community Health Centre, also co-chair of the KZN Task Team on Hate Crimes Against LGBTI. Good morning to you, uh, Nunklantla. Good morning, Sisyphean. Uh, good morning to the listeners, too. Thanks. Somebody who will also be part of our conversation is Busi Bengu, and uh, she is the sister of the late Anele Bengu. Busi, good morning to you. Good morning, guys. How are you? And good morning to the listeners, listeners as well. Sure. Th- thank you so much for, for, for coming on and, and you know, we'll be with you shortly. I, I just want to begin here, Steve, perhaps by getting a, a broader view from you about the rate of killings that we are seeing right now and what your reflections are on these killings and what they are revealing to us about where South Africa is when it comes to respecting the human rights of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender and intersex and queer people. No, thank you so much, uh, Kathy. And, you know, it's such a difficult time, um, you know, for South Africa. It's a difficult time for, for the region as well, um, you know, because these killings and attacks are not only just happening in South Africa. We are seeing a rise of, of contestation even in the region. Uh, but let's start here at home because I think it's important. Um, I mean, the last, um, you know, Three months has been the most difficult time because every week we are counting bodies that are brutally met because of the perceived or known sexual orientation, gender identity uh, of individuals. And, and, and these individuals are open. They are out about the, you know, being a, a gay, lesbian, transgender or intersex uh, uh, persons. Um, and, and I think it's such a very difficult time. But what is being revealed um, you know, we are revealing quite a number of issues. First, it's how intolerant is society mm-hmm. um, that uh, actually, you know, undermines the you know dignity and integrity of individuals who self-determine. That's number one. Secondly, it's revealing the, the level of violence, um, you know, that goes and unaccounted you know it, it's actually a revealing of our own justice system it's revealing the level of attitude and behavior in society that has become normalized you know the violence that we're experiencing and of course no doubt south africa is a very violent uh, 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 or has, has a very violent society we've seen it with broad gender-based violence that uh, is, is declared uh, a, a pandemic by the president 
but it also demonstrates how much we have not um, you know, dealt with the injustice of the past that continues uh, as as part of homophobia and transphobia you know um you know the long history of prejudice we have not changed we have not taught south africans you know to understand and to respect the human rights of everybody but it's also showing us the different roles of societal institutions such as religion culture their silence even you know, by virtue of seeing these matters, it also perpetuates how much people have normalized this. Mm. So we have a big issue. Um, you know, government is quiet, religious leaders are quiet, traditional leaders are quiet, and this becomes a biggest problem to then say, where are we going? But at the end of the day, the lives are at stake, and this homophobia and transphobia, it's costing lives. And that is undeserving because mm-hmm. right now LGBTI people are scared. Mm. Nonkanka, perhaps your own reflections and, and what you have seen specifically in your province that in, in KZN that is also registering quite a high rate of these killings. So with KwaZulu-Natal, what we seem to be experiencing um, is very much um, linked to what Ukombek Steve has alluded, is um, a context within which you've had between, for instance, um, existing so far as my activism is concerned, 2004 to 2010, where we were a province that was very much um, involved in community education and engagement on the concepts of diversity, um, constitutionality, human rights, Ubuntu, um, and all of that. And it involved your Department of Education, it had your Home Affairs, it had your Chapter 9 being involved. But basically what it did is that as it moved from community to community, it allowed us to, led by our um, councillors, be in dialogue, in conversation about what's going on around us. The unfortunate thing since um, the World Cup is we sort of became a province that focuses on many other um, a, um, ills and of course processes around the concepts of social cohesion very much focused in, um, on, on issues to do with foreign nationals unfortunately to the detriment of um, people that are lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender and intersex and even those of us that are living with disabilities and quite recently also amongst us those are living with HIV. So you see now the state of hate crime being such that it targets us over and above who we are attracted to, how we, how we express ourselves and the spaces within which we hang out. So it, it brings us to that call mm-hmm. once again for had we perhaps not stopped the conversation, perhaps had we not stopped um, the engagement that basically meant people see people that are living with HIV, they see people that are LGBTI and realize that we are all human beings. We suffer, we call through trials and tribulations, mm. we want jobs, we want access to schooling. For a moment there, perhaps we will not be where we are at. And of course, there's been beautiful um, programs implemented since under the social cohesion then. And of course, we've had the national testing on hate crimes also being put in place, but still, you do not have a financial muscle invested in making sure that programs that are earmarked within those spaces get to the people. 
and these included working with the likes of you guys in media to make sure that we are just not talking face to face, but it is on social media, it is on mainstream media, it is what people see when they open their TVs. So we've literally become a community and a partnership between society and government that sort of prioritizes other issues sure. and literally shelves other issues. And mm. we really want to believe we are where we are at right now because we've rendered other populations marginalized even after we have emancipated them or at least allowed space for emancipation. All right, and and we'll uh, we'll have uh, a lot more time to engage on on some of what you have been talking about, Nuntlandla. I just want to bring Busi Bengu in, who is, uh, as I said earlier, the sister of the late Anele <laughs> Bengu. And firstly, Busi, let, let me extend my condolences to yourself and to your family. I, I can't imagine what you have been going through over this last month since the June the 13th when 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 your brother w- was killed yeah thank you so much yes indeed mm. L- let's talk about what you understand to have been the circumstances as a family that led to his killing you know what I, I, I don't think I understand anything at the moment mm. I'm just being frustrated Sad and you know what? My, my mind is mixed up mm. because Anele was everything to me. She was my last born sister, so she's the only person I live with in this house. Mm. Right now, I feel so. You know what? I don't know how I feel. Seriously, because my sister was being killed brutally. She was innocent, and she she was. You know what? I don't know. Mm. She was, um, you know, those people have a good heart and everything. But right now, I'm so left alone and nothing to cry with. I don't know. Was there any indication at all um, be- before this, this this particular attack happened? Had Had she ever spoken to you? about threats that she had been facing, about maybe being intimidated at all? Was there any kind of hint that she was under threat? No, 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 no. She never told me anything about um, being under threat or something or mm-hmm. somebody who's uh, maybe making a threat on her mm-hmm. because she was the, she was a lovable person. Everybody was loving her. And I, I don't think there's anyone or anybody who had a own threat on her. I, I don't know. I can't say anything about that. But the only thing I can say, she never mentioned anything about that. Mm, mm. Yeah. What have you as the family been told about the investigation by the police? Nothing. Nothing. Um, the inspector or, or police or whatever you call it, they never give us any feedback about this case. For for now, I can say we're on the in the black side because there's nothing we've been told about this case. So, so the ins- the inspector of this case has not communicated with you no. at all. At all. Mm. 
at all. Nobody talking about anything about nothing about this case. Even um, we at the court that day, um, I asked that guy what is going on. He said, "I'm go- we're going to um, we get feedback on the 30th of um, next trial. Mm. Because I was so angry the time I was talking to him because he never do anything. I can say these police, they've been useless because there's nothing can be done. Our sisters and brothers have been killed each and every second. But they do nothing about it. And they've given you absolutely no explanation for, no for why they, they haven't been in touch. We've already had a court appearance, at least one of, 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 of the suspects that, that has been arrested in connection with this matter. But you as the family haven't been told anything. Yeah, we know there's been um, one guy has been arrested. Mm. That one who's been in, uh, in uh, custody at the moment. But I can say we have that about rumors because no police guy came here to my house and told me there's a guy who's been arrested. How since does the that day, mean, yeah. Since the day we go to the court and I saw that guy, because I, I'm not even sure they caught the right person mm. because they, anybody not giving us anything. How does that it make you feel? So angry. How does it make you feel? angry mm. angry I, i'm so angry because I, I can't let this go I, and i can't let my sister die in vain like that i can't because if they don't have to do anything i can take this case by myself because i can see there's nothing can be done you can't tell me just one guy can be uh do this alone was Maybe been, there were yeah. two. Yes, mm-hmm. they. Be, I, I don't think there's the one guy they they killing my sister. Maybe there were two or three or four. Mm-hmm. Because one of them, uh, I think uh, it's one of the suspects as well. Uh, he hanged himself, and this one is be unrested. I don't think there were two. Or, maybe there were three or four. So the police they have to pick up their socks and do as much as they can. Because uh, it's too much. Busi Bengu is the big sister, the elder sister that is, of Anele Bengu, who was killed, um, unfortunately, you know, very brutally so, on the 13th of June. And you've just heard in terms of where they are at as a family when it comes to the investigation of that particular case. And it shows you that these killings are not just happening in, in a vacuum. There are families that are affected. There are people who are losing loved ones and who are feeling that justice in some ways is not being done when they look at the response of the criminal justice system to these killings. We'll continue our conversation after this. Luyanda Maumi is standing by with your latest headlines. The Talking Point with Kathy Motasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. 
We continue the conversation on the talking point and we've been looking at the attacks that have been taking place in the country that have resulted in the killings of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender and intersex and queer people. This is over the last couple of months. I'll be taking your calls on on this conversation and, and I'd really love to hear what you are seeing in your communities when it comes to being able to actually have the rights of the LGBTIQ plus community respected because unfortunately there, there doesn't seem to be much of that going on. And and what do you think is, is leading to this? What do you think is, is the driving factor behind um, some of this this behavior and, and and this is beyond the part where it is just criminal because if you are going to physically harm people if you are going to uh, you know murder people that is is criminal and they can't be a justification for that uh, Steve Litzike is the director at Access Chapter 2 and is part of this conversation. Nunkan Lamkize is the advocacy officer for uh, the Lesbian and Gay Community Health Center, also co-chair of the KZN Task Team on Hate Crimes Against LGBTI. And we've been in conversation with the sister, uh, Busi Bengu, of the late Anele Bengu, who uh, has been talking about how they have been let down by, by government. And, and Steve, that that is that becomes what is even more devastating for families that they've lost their loved ones that are killed in this gruesome manner and on top of that they don't get adequate responses from police officers who are supposed to be helping them get justice i have visited um you know a few families and um, that were uh, you know challenged by this brutal uh, murders of their own children and, um, you know, in, in the last couple of weeks, I've been to Delton, I've been to the Val uh, 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 families. And, and, and I think consistently what Busi has put forward, that families are left with frustration, broken, but also without a sense of justice, um, you know, where they can have a, a confidence to believe that, you know, even when uh, perpetrators commit this crime, the arm of state, um, you know, which is responsible for justice will prevail for them. And I think that's the most disheartening thing that, you know, the role of SOPs and the role of justice department Mm. has to bring in that level of confidence. And families are feeling... terrified because of how broken the system becomes. Mm. Now, I think what is different and what is unique um, and which we need to be honest and possibly reflect a little bit on it. A number of these cases, you know, the perpetrators are now in custody in a number of of these cases, which means either, you know, there's a little bit of work, but there's a broken communication uh, aspect in where the investigating officers will keep their families updated of information. And when these cases would move rapidly so um, to go into the court system, you know, I mean, and, and, and that for me becomes one of the, you know, uh, 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 
complex issue that that should be immediately addressed. I mean, it shouldn't even be complicated. It shouldn't be uh, complex. Once you, you apprehend a perpetrator, mm-hmm. immediately inform families to say, look, the perpetrator has come forward or we've gotten information, they are arrested, they're in custody. The court will be on this. It's required of SAPs investigating officers to become liaison to those who are affected and victims of this hate crime. And and I think that's the biggest challenge. Now, the second thing is whether or not these cases immediately would, the, the trials will be heard and the trials would reach the level of conviction and sentencing. Mm. And, and, and I think when justice is delayed, it becomes justice denied. And I think with many of these cases, even historically in South Africa, we've had cases that have not seen the daylight of trial processes. And and that for us becomes a concern as activists, as LGBTI organizations who are part of um, this hate crime task team. The hate crime task team, uh, um, you know, has been set countrywide and there's a committee in it that is called rapid response team. Now, rapid means fast. So you can't take a whole year, second, third year, without moving a case forward. Mm. And you can't take so long when people have been broken, give them confidence to believe that you are there for them. You know, so, so I think it's a frustration that the family have shared, but it's also a frustration for us as LGBT organization because here we are, we've got a segment, a cohort of population which is under threat. Hate crime are message crimes. You are not only sending this a, a message to one individual. You are sending it to the entire community mm. that you will be attacked, you will be brutally murdered, and all of you must live in fear. It's a message. And where we want government to act, it means that bring confidence, put this constitution that you say your right to dignity, integrity, freedom will be protected. And we are not seeing that. Mm. Nunkantla, let me bring you in here and perhaps also give you an, an opportunity just to, to reflect on, on the role of the criminal justice system when it comes to responding to these crimes. So I guess I, I want to first echo what the Comrade Singh has um, um, already spoken to and just add these few points insofar as what we are experiencing between providing support to individual families or individual survivors mm. to when we are there to support them as their matters go in and out of court. That, you know, as indicated, once it's in the task team that has brought together government, Chapter 9, and civil society, but what you tend to find at the end of the day is that those that have been put around the table to work with you to win people over into having faith in the justice system. One, they themselves are working within spaces where they are themselves frustrated, perhaps themselves not necessarily very well supported. And if it is not about that, if they themselves are not self-driven, committed, or even passionate about the work that they are doing. So it it, it becomes a challenge because then what you tend to find happening is that us, and as a society, we're not necessarily resolved as well to provide these services. Not all of our organizations have got social workers. So you find that I'm trained to be an HIV counselor, and I'm taking the training from counseling within that space and bringing it to counsel someone and debrief them on having lost a loved one. Two completely different scenarios. 
But nevertheless, because somebody has to facilitate a space for them to debrief, to have a conversation, to be in a moment of what has happened and be strong as matters go in and out of court. Again, the space where the Department of Social Development has failed us quite a lot is from a political perspective, the announcements are made, we are here, we stand by you, we support you, we'll make resources available. But on the ground, it is not as easy as it sounds when the, when the announcements are made. And I think that's where it breaks us from an activist perspective, mm-hmm. knowing very well that what you're hearing, you can't echo it when you visit a family because you know what was said on TV is not the reality that you're experiencing on the ground. And to be calling family from time to time and checking in and sometimes even asking them for information is itself making you feel very disheartened and, 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 and yeah, yeah, seeing that heavy process to go through. So I, I think from where we're located as civil society, as activists on the ground, as, as LGBTI organizations, it's very much just there where we feel. Mm. More could be done. We could be supported a little bit more to also do more to support others. But mm. ultimately, it is not our role. There is a state. There are government departments. and There are individuals employed within those spaces to be offering this work. And they are just failing us day mm. in and day out. Mm. Wednesday, we're going to be going back to court. We've already made calls and said, Department of Social Development, please be there. We've already said, colleagues within please fast track and we are being given promises on email that yes things would happen but only on the day when we arrive at court we will know whether promises made on paper um, and, and speeches made in media is what we're going to experience on, on the ground I mean we were there last week Monday with Usus Busi I promise you it broke my heart to see her speaking on front of the television um, journalist because mm-hmm. I could feel her pain and I couldn't hold her the way that a president is trained specifically to deal with these matters mm. could have possibly. And I worry about how many times must she break before somebody holds her. Mm-hmm. And maybe on that note, um, uh, Busi, let me bring you back into the conversation. What, what would you as a family want South Africans to know about your your now late sister, but also about how families in this country are being affected by these hate crimes and in particular these these killings that that we are seeing. Busi? Hello. Yes. Yes. Uh, I was saying I was saying that perhaps just before I let you go, if you can tell us, mm. you know what the impact of the loss of your sister has been on your family and what South Africans need to know about the cost of these hate crimes and these hate killings that are taking place. Um, uh, you know what, can I speak Zulu, please? Yes, you can go ahead. Is that okay? Yes, it's fine. Um, I'm broken. And the Engagusho Gunye, Oma 
amapoisa awenzi luta amapoisa ya praipwa tefele njengizo kuluma nga lawa laga makutu anje anga zingatini uzo le kubegu umu hulmeni enge nzingempela enga sugumi na ati sumpaga ati singa sugumi si kubege no wenza izi ndezi kisungu gosi sibeti na kuputibetu izo kubega lendi ngoba nati uma sitata masipeki singe nzilutu sibugele sit ok ngoba kwenzekeka aneli it's fine ngoba kwenzeke lapa it's fine aguna nkinga bai lungseli izo libeli kubega lendi kusumezeka osi sibeti ndi kupsungu kuti ee eh, ubula wise kusilua nyana estile ee eh, nginasho njuguti ubula wiswa kwenja ya bon age kumuntu onga bula waka pisunga njena uchige kutuleke mm. nati su mpagati su mdeni su umuntu unozwelo uzo tula uguti ubula we umuntu wakini kapisunga njena minangengi buzu uguti uma mapoisa oyetwa wabo noma uhulmeni noma umpasisa oma poisa ubabupekikeli ubulawe umuntu wakubo ngale sasukubule utatuetu ngasu angasala yinenu angenzi lutu kikala njo i south africa iyonke isuku umengale sisava esingenile ngoba aktina sotu ngiasi abuga na seindabeni kubusungu kubusungu ya bonje mina enga kusho ngisungu mezegile njifutu nganga waza ngiichele mpilwe na mutu ngopinde ngisungu mezegaganje ngashta asho nelo abaza bangane kwa shula pati loku ugutu anela hambe katunga nje nganga gazi ngikabangi i never never imagine ugutu angashia katunga nje kupsungu nje kupsungu kupsungu ndi saitinga nje ni supporti from ama i cancelling nge itinga kakulu ngoba enga kubona that day ay angkoni nshuglala ngizi anje anje angazi ngingatini pati ngitala umparati usugumi i south africa nje yonke isugumi ngoba lento izo nibele ikubega ngoba uma ama poisa yenge nzilutu natisu umparati yenge nzilutu chuti kakirake umshabuzo pela ngoba osisibeti wabula wangenda bai chuzele yonu kutibabe yon uma umdenu uchuzile wakande wena mtu wangapande ungenati yine kata zai busi Uh, yeah. I'm I'm so sorry for your loss. I I really really am so sorry for for your loss and and again just extend my condolences to you, you and and the rest of of your family and thank you so much for for agreeing to come on and be part of of this conversation. I I do think it has been incredibly brave of you. Um thank so you so, much. so so just to just to give our our listeners an idea of what we see uh, was saying, you know, she says a, a big gap has been left in 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 her life after the loss of after the loss rather of her sister and she's pleading on government saying while well, government actually can do more because if government doesn't do more more people will continue to die she's also raising concerns about corruption in the system police officers people at the courts who are taking bribes and what this means for cases like that of her sister that are before the courts and saying if nothing is done these killings will continue she's also imploring the people of south africa to rise up and to take a stand against these killings because if people sit back and say well today it was just anele bengu and you let it go by there will be more people that are killed and it is a situation that the country cannot afford she's calling on south africans to rise up and take a stand against these killings and you know to ensure that our communities are actually safe spaces 
that there are safe spaces for LGBTIQ plus and 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 queer members of 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 our community, and of course, still very much heartbroken by the way in which her sister was killed. She says she was killed like a dog, as if she was not a human being. So, uh, a very heartbroken Busi Bengu there, and understandable under these circumstances. We'll continue our conversation with our experts. I'll also take a couple of your calls. Remember, the number to use this morning is zero double one. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. At a very young age, if I was taught at uh, primary and high school that there is uh, uh, people who are transgender, gays and lesbians, I would not be at this point trying to affirm who they are. We need to forge social compacts with necessary organizations and NGOs about the awareness of who really is an LGBTQI and what really is an LGBTQI. Above all, we need to ensure that beyond everything, we speak to Department of Higher Education, we speak to Department of Education in order for them to start the education at a bare minimum level, in order for all citizens to start to understand who exactly is a LGBTQI. Now, when you establish social compacts they will assist you to take awareness and information to the streets you then are able to speak to people who are on the ground almost each and every time and that there was the voice of Kutuano um, Rakosa, who is one of the young people that had been interviewed for um, the National Youth Development Agency board. And uh, of course, they were quizzed on a number of issues. And he was highlighting the extent to which awareness uh, should begin even at a primary school level in this country. So kicking us off there. And in fact, just this morning, even on the WhatsApp line, we've got a number of people that are raising the vision very same issue about education education why are we not seeing widespread enough education so that communities are conscientized morning katie mama k here when it comes to lgbtiq a plus we'll never ever be going to come right until we start educating 2013 with Minister Batabili, we start educating people about it, understanding the hormones and the cells and what make them to be who they are or act the way they are. Because of around the LGBTQA, I plus is because of some of them is because of the lifestyle some of them is actually the way they born with is the hormones some of them is because of the history of what how kind of life you live so please let's educate our people then we're gonna get somewhere at langa there's no way that you'll educate you'll see anything like this that happened in kailija and more importantly what happened is that last week i was giving the presentation of lgbt at langa at advisory legal center people understand that they all belong there it's just that it's the choices that you have made Okay, let me go to Scully in Durban. Scully, good morning. Good morning to you, Cathy. Yes. Thank you for taking my call. Cathy, mm. man, every time I hear about this LGBTI murders, man, you know, you know, it's sickening, man, lovey. It's sickening. You know, I, I don't know. I've got no words to tell you about that. My only thing is uh, the government is too slack, Cathy, mm. too slack, man. Mm. You know, I don't know. 
like if they hear about a murder, then you've got to go through so much of dangers, you know, uh, bureaucracy. Put these people into jail or, or teach them. Uh, let there be a national thing that these people are born with this condition. You know, it, it's it's so hard to for people to believe. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you Scully, don't want to I, be. I don't know. I don't know that it can be described as a condition. I beg you? I'm saying that I don't think it can be described as a condition. I think, well, whatever, they are born, you know, in, in, in those categories. To my knowledge, what little I know, they are born, you know, you get transversed mm, mm, and so mm, on and so mm. on. Man, it, it please, man, you know, get the government to... To, to to deal with this thing. I beg you. Okay. Thank you for taking my call. All right. Me. All right, Scully, Scully out in Durban. And and I think, Nuntlanda, uh, what, what we've heard just from our listeners in the last couple of minutes is is the need for for education and, and, and awareness. Indeed. Um, and I think that's what one was speaking to um, earlier on insofar as programs that within Ethiopia as a municipality, within the partnership between government and the, and the people you've had, that has worked quite successfully for us in the past, but that got taken away from us because we need people to be educated to create an awareness, as the former speaker just said. We need people to be in conversation so that if you have issues against me or about people, that you think I'm part of, because sometimes some of us are not even lesbian or gay. You are just perceived to be an attack based on perception. So conversation allows us to even deal with myths, stereotypes, and perceptions. And of course, at training level, there's quite a lot happening so that the services that people are accessing are at least sensitive and inclusive. Mm. But once again, unless we do more in education, unless we allow ourselves to be more in conversation, I mean, we are human beings. And the best thing that we do between ourselves is talk, be in conversation. That's how we learn and understand diversity. So when that is taken away from us, it leaves a void and it leaves animosity. Steve, let me give you an opportunity to round off this conversation for us then. Thanks, Kathy. Look, I, I think also what uh, Comrade Nonsanta stipulated that we have a responsibility to repair the injustice of the past, not only just from government's role and, and by the protection of the law, but we have a responsibility as society. We understand this history of prejudice because we were divided and we were discriminated because of the color of our skin historically. We were discriminated and we continue to be discriminated because of some of us who identify as women, and that's why we're still fighting for gender equality. But we are now even fighting homophobia and transphobia because people identify with different sexual orientation or different gender identity. Mm-hmm. We have a responsibility as society to do just and to have this moral fabric and conscious of respecting people in their diversity. So we have to talk, but we cannot only just talk and talk forever. We have to respect the freedoms. We have to respect people's lives and ensure that we can't be taking this life away. But where we see society taking the matter in their hands, like we're seeing, justice must prevail. The law must be infused because 
we are country with the rule of law and it must be felt and be enjoyed by everybody. Mm, mm. Oh, man. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to both of you for uh, coming on to the show and for having this conversation. And the reality is that ultimately where crimes are committed, there must be justice for um, that particular criminality. There can't be a sense that people can commit these crimes and be able to get away with it. And that would be a request that anybody who is part of the society can reasonably make all of the justice and the criminal justice system. It's an ongoing conversation. It's certainly not the last time that we'll talk about this matter, but one certainly hopes that we won't con- continue to see the rate of killings that we have when it comes to LGBTIQ um, members of, of our society. All right, it's midday. The update at noon with Sakina Kamwendo is up next. I know I'm sounding a, a little bit, I'm so, sounding quite somber because I'm just taking in the, the state that, that we are in and, and how we are betraying the rights of, of, of some of the citizens of, of this country. But Sakina Kamwendo is going to bring you the latest in terms of the update at noon between now and lunchtime. Sakina, good afternoon to you.